You shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not acquit anyone who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work. You, your son or your daughter, your male or female slave, your livestock or the alien resident in your towns. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them. But the seventh day, therefore, the Lord rested and blessed the Sabbath day and consecrated it. The word of the Lord. Father God, we ask that you would be gracious to our seeking the ministry of your Holy Spirit, who alone can take your words and carry them deep into our hearts that we might be transformed closer into the image of the Word made flesh, Jesus Christ. We ask it in his name, amen. I'm continuing in a series of Thursday homilies during Lent focused on the Ten Commandments. Last week when I began this series, I indicated that I believe the interpretive key to all ten of the commandments is found in the prologue, where we're told, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. All ten of the commandments can be understood in light of that claim of God, who is revealed as the liberator God, determined that we will walk in freedom all the way to the promised land. So these aren't just ten commandments. They're also ten signposts to freedom. Today we come to the third and fourth commandment. The third, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. I was introduced to this commandment when I was about six or seven years old. We were at the family dinner table. We had guests. My parents were lost in an animated conversation with our guests. My brothers were typically ignoring me. I asked politely for someone to pass the mashed potatoes. Nothing. I asked a second time, would someone please pass the mashed potatoes? The third time, I used an adjective in front of the word potatoes that included God's name. This succeeded in getting everyone's attention. <laughs> However, it did not succeed in getting me the potatoes. <laughs> Immediately, I found that I was in the bathroom with soap in my mouth, then assigned to my bedroom where I wrote out the third commandment 100 times. Apparently, that discipline stuck with me <laughs> because to this day I'm still really bothered when someone uses God's name or the name of Jesus Christ as a curse word. It really bothers me. But is that the only reason we're given this commandment? Is there maybe something more here beyond that? If again, God is revealed as the liberator, committed to our freedom then to take the Lord's name in vain is to do anything that binds or hurts people in the name of the Lord. 
because God's already revealed that's not who the Lord is. There's been plenty of people hurting others in the name of the Lord throughout the history of Christianity and in the churches and in the seminaries. The kind of people who are drawn into pastoral ministry or into scholarship or to public service, uh, they're not typically motivated by money. If that's your motivation, you've made a serious career mistake. No, we're the kind of people who are motivated by making a difference with our lives, by doing justice. We care about things like theological excellence and scholarship at the highest levels. We're people of convictions. But every community, every community of faith included, is filled with people of convictions, and we don't all have the same ones. And so at some time, you're going to run into people who disagree with you about exactly what is justice or what is uh, the truth. And your convictions are going to be threatened. And you're going to find yourself in conflict. And when that happens, the temptation is great to double down on your efforts. And before you know it, you have crossed the line to thinking that you are messianic. After all, you're on a mission from God. You're doing this in the name of God. You've got, to, you've got to overcome this. You've got to prevail. And at that time, you become messianic and mean. We have far too many mean messiahs in Christian community. These are people who are like ambulance drivers who are running over people to get to the accident because they're just so committed to this one particular mission, not attending to how much damage they're doing along the way. There is a very fine line between having zeal and becoming a bully. And the way that you walk that fine line is by remembering that the job for Messiah has already been taken. Do we want you to be people of strong convictions? Of course, that's, that's part of our mission here. Do we want you to be people who are pursuing justice as you see it? Yes, absolutely. But the call is also not only to do justice, but to love kindness and to walk humbly. And to do that, you've got to keep your eyes on the true Messiah, the one who's determined for all of our liberation and freedom. That leads us to the fourth commandment. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Six days you shall work, the commandment says, as your creator did. But on the seventh day you shall rest, again, as the creator did in whose image you are made. A literal translation of Shabbat is to uh, cease, to abstain, to stop, to cut it out. So there's a created pattern to our lives, which according to this commandment is work, 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 cut it out. Now we think that the reason that we rest from work is just in order to get the energy to go back to work. 
But that's not the way the creation narratives are written. No, God didn't rest out of fatigue. No, on the seventh day, God rested to behold creation and to see its goodness and to call it good. So Sabbath rest isn't just a break from work. It's the culmination of the work. It's the glory of the work. It's the opportunity to take joy and delight and to see its goodness. And it's good not just because it's successful or productive even. It's good because it's holy. It's God's work. We in the American church have for too long tried to talk about the difference in things that are sacred and secular. Secular is a word that is completely unknown to the Bible. The biblical distinction is the difference between sacred and profane. So many things that have a sacred purpose, like work, or words, or sex, or money, can easily be profaned to the point that you can't find the holiness in it anymore. Frankly, even Sabbath observance can be profaned if it's just reduced to a bunch of regulations and rules, which was the thing that kept getting Jesus in trouble. The purpose of Sabbath is to see what God has been doing and to see its goodness. Because those other six days so filled with work, the words that we keep hearing is not good enough. The work, the evaluations, the judgment, not quite good enough. The person who keeps showing up in the mirror, not quite good enough. And after getting that message day after day after day, by the time we get to the Sabbath, we are in dire need of another message. We need to hear about the God who's created you and who's already called you good. Why would you let anybody say not good enough once God has already declared your goodness and the holiness within your life? The Synoptic Gospels tell us that at the time of Jesus' crucifixion, the veil that separated the Holy of Holies from the rest of the temple was ripped from top to bottom as if it was done by heaven. I used to think that the the purpose of that was so that anybody could go into the Holy of Holies, priesthood of all believers. We can all go in now. But I've since come to think that maybe it's so the holiness could rush out. From a God who's declared to never allow holiness to be reserved to one piece of geography, but who reached out to reclaim every corner of the world that God created. And that in Christ, God has reclaimed every corner that we would call forsaken or dare to call secular, even, even your corner. You cannot keep your freedom on the journey unless you can see the created goodness in your life. And for that, every seven days or so, you've got to cut it out. You've got to look to the Savior who is with you, for this one who has begun a good work in you will bring it to completion. God is not done 
Not with this world, not with this seminary, not with you. God is not done. There is more good work to come. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.